I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's happiest podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Dimarellis. This is the show where we ask you what's your story and what does it say about you. Today on the show we have a presenter on TV. You might remember him from Good News Week back in the day. He's done radio, he's done stand-up. You've brought out three books at this point as well as several co-authored ones. Mikey Robbins, mm-hmm. how you doing? Well, mate, basically you've described me as the whore of Babylon. I will go anywhere there's a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, mate, I'm, mate, I'm, I'm good. I'm really, I'm really good. Nice to talk to you, George. Nice, nice to talk to you. Uh, you know a bit of stand-up too, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we haven't done a gig. No, 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 we haven't. Nah. No, unfortunately, I think you're a, you might be at a different echelon to where I'm at. So, yeah. No, that's... no, mate, I'll, mate I'll, I'll go to the opening of a headworm. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm easy. <laughs> well, yeah, you it's a... the whore of Babylon was an early warning. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, whatever a function says, uh, Mikey Robinson might as well say underneath Tom Gleason was busy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mate, if that's who you're backing up to, that's, that's not so bad. You're doing all right. Not too bad. Not too bad. Were you doing stand-up forever or was that like a... No. Yeah, yeah. I thought... no, I got into the business as a writer, as a sketch writer. Mm-hmm. I was with a cabaret group, long story short. I was a sketch writer. I was writing sketches for Triple J. And then I, I lied to management and told them how I knew how to operate a, a panel. And they always took the people to do Midnight to Dawns. I still hold the record for taking the station off air 16 times in my first shift. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was, I was, Ian Rogerson is a fantastic broadcaster, gave me a 10 minute lesson on how to operate a panel and I, I stuffed it up. And I, I just, I just drifted into presenting and then sort of from that radio and TV. And then a couple of years ago when I was turning 50, um, my wife described it as my midlife crisis. So I went, oh, I really should do some stand up because I've never done it. And, um, yay. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, no, 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 it's, it's like, wow, I, I, I missed all that time standing backstage with other comics, <laughs> watching the other person on stage going, oh, no, they're doing really well. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, it's going to go. Yeah, the, the terror of seeing it's, – it's, it's always a mixed bag. You're sitting backstage and sometimes like, yeah, the terrifying thing of when the crowd hates everyone and you're like, oh, no. But there's oh. a certain freedom in that as well because you're like, it doesn't matter. Screw these guys. Like, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Like the other side is when someone's killing so hard and you got to go on next and you're like, oh, God, this is yeah, – if the MC doesn't calm that. them down, this is going to be so annoying to deal with. And then there's the other rule, which is never follow Akmal because um, – the man doesn't has no internal. I mean, he's one of the funniest guys in Australia, but you know, I mean, he, Akbal thinks an hour is fifteen minutes. 
<laughs> yeah, look, I got to say, you established personalities. You, you're, not, you're not good on the timepiece ever. <laughs> You've earned it. Oh mate, oh, mate, mate, I'm the laziest comic in the world. Seriously, I, I will get off once I get my first decent laugh. <laughs> Fuck that, I'm going. <laughs> okay. Leave on a high. I'm out, guys. <laughs> Great, I'm, I'm going to round. Thanks. See ya. <laughs> Sometimes you don't even say a joke. You just come on, they cheer, and you're like, I am good. All right. <laughs> That's, that's enough for me. I am that shallow, George. I am that shallow. That is, look, I, I comedian, I, I, I can understand. I can vibe with that. Yeah. Just want everyone to like me. If they've shown they like me, I am out before they don't like me because oh. they will eventually if I, this goes too long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, you know, listen, a mate of mine, Steve Abbott, who had a character called the Sandman, and he once said the line, laughter is the hug that only strangers can give. That's a that's kind of poetic, actually. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah, it's kind of cool. yeah. So yeah, because you went from panel shows, so you were used to presenting in front of people. You've done that forever, but it was just the stand-up itself, which you felt the need to, yeah, because it was getting bigger. You, I'm guessing, you're getting asked all the time to give it a go as well. Well, it, it was a combination of two things. I mean, philosophically, it's like you know, I yeah, I'd done the news week and the panel shows, and a lot of the people on, and a lot of my friends were stand-up, and you know, I'd written sketches, I'd done radio, and I thought that you know, stand-up is sort of like the core of what I'd been making a living out of it for years. So I thought, I really should do this. And also, too, um, yeah, because of having a profile, I get a lot of corporate work, and if you can do a setup routine, you can charge a lot more. <laughs> I'm sorry I to say, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's, it's like, you know what, if I can get a tight 20 without too much swearing in it, I can make some money. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That is brilliant. It's, you start with the philosophical thing. You're like, oh, you know, and it's the time for telling truths and use my profile. But also yeah. the sweet, cold, hard cash, baby. That's <laughs> Oh, yeah, daddy needs a new pair of jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's fair enough I haven't seen so like uh, when you approach like actually what, so with the writing because this you're the first person I've had on who's actually probably done that many varied things do you approach them mm-hmm. all in different ways like from the writing for the sketch or for the stand-up or the books like I'm it's weird sketch writing is how I started and I haven't done that in, I'd say 25 years sketch writing is like it's that thing where you tend to write it in real time like as long as the sketch well, not yeah, a bit longer than the sketch takes. Um, writing writing the book, it's I've written two solo books on my own now. I'm halfway through my third, and I found the only way to approach it was like, oh, well, this is my job. Like I, I'm in my home office at the moment, which is next to my lounge room. But when I go to write, I have to have this. Is, this sounds really tragic. Yeah, you know, people say, have you prepared right? Well, I have to have a shower and put a collared shirt on. <laughs> that, way I, that way I feel like I'm going to work. <laughs> that is some old school, <laughs> some old yeah, school version of what work is. I love that. Yeah, it's like no, I can't sit there you know, in, in, in my, my tracky decks. I, I have to put a pair of jeans and a shirt on because that way I feel like I'm working. It's, I know, it's silly, but... You know, no, that's it. Uh, was, it, was it Victor Hugo that used to write only wearing a smock because he found anything? But a lot of people think that Victor Hugo wrote the nude, but no, he, he just used to wear a smock because he wanted uh, a lack of distraction. I go, you know, I, I, I move beyond the smock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying harder than Victor Hugo. I love that for Victor Hugo, that being naked was a distraction. What was he getting distracted by, I wonder? Same thing with Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because – so speaking of Victor Hugo, so that, that's actually uh, – we, we, this conversation is going to jump around a lot, but that, that relates to the book you're bringing out. This book was brought out just recently, The Reprehensible, about historical yeah. figures. Um, yep. Polite histories of bad behavior. Yeah. So that uh, that's like, so basically it's a, a little take of like 
bits of random bits of famous people from history who maybe didn't act so great. Well, yeah, you know, everything from Cleopatra's um, dildos to the guy who rigged the 1978 soapbox to be so his nephew could win. It's just scoundrels through history. Um, the fact that C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia books, which we all read as a kid, also got thrown out of a party at Oxford for offering other students five shillings if you could take them into the spare room and spank them. Yeah, talking about your 50, 50 Shades of Narnia. Oh, that's, um, that's like, he was like a hardcore Christian, wasn't he? Yeah, well, actually, that's the thing that's interesting. He was this actually, because he was, because the, the, the Narnia books are all Christian allegorical tales, there's a cult in America. I now, there's a phrase you hardly use these days. There's a cult in America that worships him. There's actually a stained glass window on no, him. No, there's not. But yeah, <laughs> you see there is. There, dude, go online and, and check it out. And um, but this is the same guy who used to write letters to uh, a mate of his who was a poet, describing how he'd take like to take the um the guy's sister over his knee and spank her with a hairbrush. Compl- you're probably not the first religious figure who said that, to be honest. No, no, no. no. Actually, I also write a bit about popes too, including one pope who I love, uh, the trial of Formosus. Formosus was a pope, and the bloke who followed him hated the previous pope so much that he dug him up and put his corpse on trial for blasphemy. You got to love that. That's yeah. you would have had a rousing defense, I'm sure. That's yeah. Well, actually, no. They actually had a defense cardinal who actually used to kneel behind him and whisper answers. Now, you know, the, the Pope would go, "Why did you do these things?" And then his defense cardinal would go, "Because I am evil." And so, the, the, so then after the trial, yeah, after the trial, they actually um. They executed the dead body. <laughs> oh my god, that's fantastic! It's like you know, I mean, the, the popes are good for a couple of stories. Like the Borgias, they had a thing called the uh, the Feast of the Chestnuts, which was basically um, uh, whenever you put cardinals and prostitutes in the same room, it's going to end up pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be more sins by the end, not less. Actually, that was one of the funniest things about promoting a lot of books. I, I, you know, I do like a lot of ABC radio, and I got, I can't really. If if I tell that story, you'll be off air. And there was there was one one, one journal was really nice, and she kept wanting me to tell the Mozart story, and I said I cannot tell the Mozart story. In fact, I'm not even. I'll just say that the chapter about Mozart is called Two Pianos, One Cup." Huh. Okay. okay, I'll that's, just leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's... He, he, he may have been he may be one of the greatest geniuses in Western music, but he had poo problems. Wow. Okay, that is a that that's a lot. To, that's a lot there, Mikey. <laughs> actually, he, he, he actually wrote a song about it called "Lick My Ass Nice and Clean." <laughs> you got to love how people think smut is like a new thing, and it's it's just like no, no. But, but it's one of the things I write about the book is um um there's a sentence. And I actually say in the book, I thought I'd never write this sentence. The ancient Greeks were incredibly comfortable with dildos. They, they actually found uh, uh, pottery from, from, the, from the golden age of, of, of Hellenic culture. And everything that you might have seen on, on a porn site, ah, Greeks are doing it. They invented the strap-on, the double-ended. They... <laughs> so, it's one of the things I found when I was researching the, the book is whatever you think you know, it was new and kinky. It's been around for years. Well, look, as as a as a Greek background Australian, uh, I do feel a bit of pride yeah. in all that. So <laughs> they used to call dildos strikers. So God knows what they were doing with them. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, no. So it's true. I, I actually recently saw a 
uh, some letters. Uh, James Joyce used to write to his partner. Oh, it's just the yeah. thing I've ever read in my entire Be- life. Because the guy was actually, I actually write about it. The guy was turned on by flatulence. Yeah, that's what it is. And, and, but also, too, I love the fact that, that he's, he, he's, he's, well, that, that was sort of married. Her name was Nora Barnacle, which is just one of the best names. It's like a, it's like a character from one of his books. And I was like, what if, so what are you going to do this afternoon? Ah, oh, Nora Barnacle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's fantastic. That's, so, <laughs> no, that, like, that, that's, it's great to kind of point that out as well because people can get a bit too caught up uh, about the current times of that stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Did you write a book from that point of view? Like, you're like, oh, let's have a look at that. Or was it something that was in the back of your head you wanted to talk about? Or why was that? Uh, well, well it was, uh, my first book, Seven Deadly Sins of One Very Naughty Fruit, was about bizarre food history stories, as seen through the prism of the Seven Deadly Sins. And I got to the end of it after researching it for about a year and went, there's a whole bunch of stories left over that aren't really food related. And I just, I just like that. I like, I like, uh, Paddling around in the shallow end of the history pool. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that you that Ulysses S. Ulysses S. Grant was a was was a great general, a pretty average president. Also, too, he was a never nude. No way. Yeah, Ulysses S. Grant, even though he had four kids, bragged that not even his wife had ever seen him naked. <laughs> I love that that gets recorded in history. That is that is bizarre. Yeah. Even during the Civil War, he wouldn't shower with the other guys. Yeah, enough of the book. But you know, that's pretty much what I do. I, 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 I basically look at all, all, all your heroes in literature and, and, and military and philosophy, and I make fun of them. Yeah. I mean, that, again, that seems like just a, you doing what you're doing on Good News Week, but just from a historical perspective, so I can totally understand that. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it was, it was, someone said to me the other day, said, I, I bet you wish Good News Week was on. And I said, well, you know, quite frankly, I think we're living in a post-satirical world. You wake up every morning and you put CNN on and go, seriously? Is this a skit? <laughs> it's gotten it's gotten pretty wild, hasn't it? You're like Yeah. Yeah, it's and it's almost like the jokes because it's almost self-satire, so it's like it's not even funny anymore. You're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. imagine they just decide to cage children one day and it's like, oh, that's we can't that joke's sad now. And and and, and what if you know, what if the president's uh, uh, lead attorney is the ex mayor of New York, but his hair dye runs and seriously, he has a press conference from a car park out the front of a landscape built next to a dildo shop. Oh, dildos again. Yeah. <laughs> the Greeks strike again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, yeah, no, that, that would be – I have heard that from a few people. It's just become a bit too ridiculous now. And I feel like almost <clears throat> more – yeah, I don't know. More – more. it's sad. It's like as in everyone's feeling the effects of it all more a bit now. So it's almost harder to joke about it's- in a way. You know, I was doing an interview the other day and someone said, you know, could you describe 2020 in one word? And I went, it's been fucking exhausting. <laughs> two words, but I think it's uh, appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, – well, look, I think – luckily, it's all fixed now, right? We're all good. Hot. Yeah, no, all next year's going to be a – next year. Three, going to be a fucking yeah, yeah, we've fixed everything. We've turned back the clock to about like three years before 2016, so – I'm yeah. pretty sure we're, we're coasting now. Everyone can relax. So what do you do with your stand-up then? Do you actually talk about modern stuff or is it? I, it's weird. I, um, I, I mostly just sort of tell personal stories, mm-hmm. but I haven't been on a stage. I, got, I, I, I did a gig and barrel in March and then came home and I watched every booking for the next 12 months go away in 72 hours. And, you know, I know it sounds wanky, but, you know, I've traveled a lot 
for work. I, it's, it's like being a traveling salesman. You know, you, you know the drill. You travel. And I was, um, I was, actually, I was looking for, for an old pair of thongs the other day, and I found my um, my overnight bag covered in dust. <laughs> so, but fortunately, I've been, you know, I've, I, I, I had, uh, I had the reprehensible to finish off, and then I had the new book. So I've, I've, I've been busy, but I, I've, I, apart from going to record a few podcasts, I haven't worked outside of the house since March. All right, now yeah, that's going to feel a bit. A bit of closed in because where where are you based? You're in Newcastle, or is that? No, I'm in Sydney. No, I'm I'm from Newcastle, but I'm 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 in Sydney. All right, yeah. Uh, well, look, it's a it's a it's a year for self reflection and review and seeing how things oh. going. I feel like. Right. Seriously, the biggest decision you know, you have to make of the day is this: like, oh, should I put track pants on or boxer shorts? <laughs> or in your case, a collared shirt and jeans. Yeah, if I'm lying, but I'm just lying on the couch. There's been a lot of lying on the couch. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that again, appropriate year for it. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's good. I don't know. I, I, I actually, from, I don't know if you've, you're planning to get back out there, but, uh, it is interesting going back into comedy now from, cause in Melbourne, we had like obviously the six month stint and everyone, yeah, uh, yeah. it is just like, it's the common thread. So everyone's united and like there's got, it just feels like there's a lot of, there's a tense up energy in the rooms, which is even from the yeah. crowd's point of view, like everyone is just, Free. It's got this wild thing to it, which is really cool, actually, to be seeing and be a part of. Like, yeah, I, 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 I actually said this to my agent. I said uh, next year I might just go out and do a bit of stuff just for the fun of it, just because, yeah, or just to, because there's a whole bunch of stuff I did which I, I'm gonna need some new gear. Ugh, I have to sit down and write some new shit. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's generally taken care of. That's all right. That's uh, what, what do you put on for the writing the comedy? Some clown, a clown costume or something. That's sad, but you know, actually, here's here's something embarrassing about me. You that, that I don't often talk about. I actually paid my way through uni in kids' parties as a clown. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, you can read about it in my upcoming memoir, Mummy the Clown Said Fuck. <laughs> Surely you've learned. <laughs> Although the kids would love that. It's uh, just the parents would get upset. Oh. Look, basically, I think I used to get 40 bucks into an hour's kids' party. And you do a little show, but quite frankly, a clown is just a human, another human being that children can kick in the anus. So you turn up, you get kicked, you, you know, you do a little routine, you eat some chocolate crackles, and then you had beer money for the rest of the week. So were you doing that before you were doing any sort of like, was that like your introduction <laughs> to entertaining almost? Um, no, when I was in uni, I, did, I, I actually did, I did legitimate theater. Ah. And then me and a couple other guys decided, uh, and some girls just to do weird stuff in the bar. Just skits and bits of stand up. And, but we had one good thing. One of the guys could play bagpipes. And that will shut a room up like nobody's business. If you enter behind someone playing bagpipes, I would, I would, you know, right now, if I could have anything written into my writer as a performer, enter with bagpipes. That is that is some interesting insight right there. That, that, yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, it's just going to make you can't talk over it. It is just overwhelming. See, yeah, suddenly you're in a crowd of bars. Like, Fuck bagpipes. There you go. What do you know? That's a. I feel like that is information that I might be able to use someday. So thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> no worries. It's actually especially like a rowdy pub where it's like everyone's crashing those kind of nights. That could be hugely useful. Mm. Nice. Thanks, Mikey. <laughs> uh, saying, what's the definition of a, of a gentleman, a man who knows how to play the bagpipes but doesn't? I like that. That's a that's a good. <laughs> should, should we talk books? Yes, we can. We can talk books. Yes, we can. So, uh, <laughs> the, your your choice of book you've gone with for today is 
catch 22 because I'm a middle-aged white guy. And every middle-aged white guy, the first big book they probably read was Catch 22. I'm like, I just turned 59. That'll make you feel old. That makes me feel old. And I, in fact, I was just, before I chatted to you, I thought I'd better do a little bit of research because by the time I read Catch 22 when I was a teenager, it was already a classic. So I assume it must have been written in, it's actually, the book is only one month older than I am. It came out in, in November 1961. I, I was born in December. I'm not saying the two events are related, but there you go. So, but, but it's one of those books that just quickly became such a classic. And, 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 and as, as a teenager, and it, um, it formed a lot of my sort of, you know, opinions on life and stuff. Right. Uh, so as a teenager, it formed your opinions. How so? Yeah, well, well, it is that sort of anti-authoritarian, you know, sort of fuck you attitude about it, which, which I really like. Mm. And it was like uh, something you came to, did you, it just reflected how you were feeling at the time anyway? Yeah, but, yeah well, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, when you're 14, 15, you're starting to sort of get a worldview of politics and, you know, and I was, so we're talking the mid-70s, so I saw sort of that post-Vietnam War thing and, um, you know, and uh, Whitlam and so, you know, I was, I was a bit lefty as a teenager. And that book sort of fitted into, you know, that, that anti, you know, the, basically the, the powers that be are crazy and it's our job to try and survive them. Yeah, because it's almost like a nihilist uh, in, a, in a certain way. Yeah. You've taken it though, so well, I guess. But one, of my, one of my favorite things too is because, you know, a lot of people know it was Joseph Hell's first book. He wrote a few books afterwards. And um, he quite often got asked in interviews, um, you know, why haven't you written a book as good as Cash 22? And his answer was, who has? <laughs> that is that is a great quip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, li- I like that. And also, too, it, it was turned into a fairly good movie and, in fact, a really good TV series. Mm, is that with George Clooney? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Anything with George Clooney is easy to get my wife to watch. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, was it was it the comedy as well that you liked, or was it? It's it's one of those few books that will actually make you laugh out loud without being. I mean, the other, the other one I remember from around about the same time was a book called Ten Sixty Six and all that, which was a parody of English history, and that that made me laugh out loud because um, it's, it's an unusual thing to laugh out loud reading a book. It's a wonderful feeling. It's you know something I I would like to think occasionally people get a right chuckle out of my writing. So it, it's weird because, as you know, you know, there's a certain amount of not just the joke, but timing when you're on stage. And Heller gets that timing so damn right on the page, which is a really difficult thing to do. And you know, it took him eight years to write write, write the first book. Right. Yeah. I'm just I'm just saying that out loud in case my my, my publisher is listening to this, and um, I will make my May deadline. I promise. <laughs> It's, it's, I love that's the way you communicate with him now. <laughs> that's where the relationship yeah, is. It's, 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 it's best that way. <laughs> um, no, so, well, I, I agree. Like, I just think, and with his writing, especially, I thought it was very much like it was a silliness to it. So, like, as in, it could it yeah. its turn sometimes where it's like, like from start of a sentence to the end, it just like goes in a completely different direction. You're like, this is just, it just would hit you with that unexpectedness. And the fact that the structure of the book is not linear, but it makes sense. I remember I ended up studying it in year 12 and I had to do Milo's um, thing about how he gets eggs. And I had to break down that whole chapter and show how it worked on a blackboard with chalk. And um, it was exhausting. I love how many words you just said that were 
blackboard and chalk. That is really getting a, I know. getting a picture of <laughs> the times of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yes, I, I actually grew up in Victorian England. <laughs> There's very little difference you could have. I, I am so old. I was the last year that went through where you could get a cane. Oh, wow. Really? Mm. In, in a public school. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever get a cane? Yeah. Yeah. But not, not a lot. Um, you know, mind you, I, I, if you had a choice between staying after school or, or getting, you know, two of the best or four of the best, you take the cane. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, I didn't mind the cane. It was, it was the, you know, it was getting into the leather outfit first that used to seem a bit weird. I don't know. At a different time then, you know, that's a, that's their outfits. A different, a different time. Yeah. A different time. Um, the, well, actually that's funny. Cause like, do you reckon that feeds into a, a sentiment at your, like you're saying, everyone from your age group was like, Loves yeah. Catch Twenty Two. Do you think something like that would feed into it, like the the fact that you had such a physical manifestation of, I guess. Well, I I, I think a lot of it was um, my father fought in the Korean War, and a lot of guys I went to school with had grandparents who fought in the Second World War, and you know, as a teenager, we'd just gotten out of the Vietnam War, so there was a strong sort of sense of a military history, like. Um, so, someone pointed out, out to me the other day that, you know, when we were kids at school, all our principals were all men and they all would have served in the military, which is why we had to march everywhere. I mean, just think about it now. Why the hell would you make a bunch of eight-year-olds march into assembly? But they actually, like, lined you up in rows and... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Assembly was marching and you had to stand at ease and, you know, it was... It was... Actually, I'm... It's now that I think back on it, it's really fucking creepy. <laughs> to be like at the same time, and there's going to be, but it, it would be kind of adorable as well seeing a bunch of eight year olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that is that is strange, though. and that's a good point. As in, like, it's, 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 so school was actually quite militaristic, and so a book like that sort of fed into that anti authoritarian thing. And um, yeah, it, I mean, I, I was thinking about you know, when, when you know you said you wanted to do this, I, I was trying to think about this, that, and that. And I thought, well, I'll say Catch-22, and I'll probably get an email back saying you're the 50th guy who said Catch-22. No, you're, you're the first, actually, so there you go. Oh, yeah. But you're also the first uh, 59-year-old white male, so. Yeah, you're, there's a couple of us left. Yeah, they've taken down the rest, haven't they? The Twitter Well, Well, uh, it's funny, um, you know, the... Mind you, I, I am sick and tired of, of, and this is just off on a tangent, I'm sick and tired of guys my age, old white guys doing the, oh, it's so hard to be funny these days. I'm like, fuck off. Mm. No, it's not. Just don't be a dick. <laughs> That's, uh, I think that sums it up in, in as, as yeah. concise I mean, as you can. It's like, yeah, you know, you know, there's nothing wrong. You, you can still be offensive and not be a misogynist, homophobic turd. <laughs> What? But it's so much easier. What? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, I wish I could do that. No, no, don't, don't do that. Yeah. Here's the question. If you think it might be racist, it's racist. Mm. That's, and like, what is the joke? Like, that's for me, it's always that. It's like, if, yeah. if the joke is just that it's racist, it's like, that's, that's. Like, that's not the joke. And again, it's almost like, that's, for me, it's almost for, even separate to the very legitimate concerns about like upsetting people because it's just all that stuff. So it's just lazy. It's just lazy. Like yeah, it's been I, done. Uh, We've had the 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I saw quite a bit of it and it wasn't pretty. I could imagine actually <laughs> back then. Everyone just, uh, agree. it's almost just everyone laughing in angry agreement about some sort of slurs and stuff. They're like, ha, 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 yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, well, so, yeah I mean, it was funny because I, I didn't perform in the 80s, but I, I used to go to comedy clubs and there's a lot of angry, angry guys with poor toilet training. They do. They could go hand in hand, those things as well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't get uh, too strict or not strict enough uh, principle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, but like, so, so I'm actually interested in this. You've actually made me think about this a bit more, uh, though, in terms of what you were saying about mm-hmm. like the militaristic uh, principle and stuff. Because you, so you were... 61, so you, you're going to school then. So it's interesting because I, I just recently read this book called um, Ill Fares the Land by Tony Judd. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a, it's a historical looking at like how perceptions changed, especially after World War II and how that impacted things and how people like respected the state a lot more just after yeah. World War II. But then because they respect – the older generation respected it so much, the new kids that came up were almost anti – anything to do with community or the state because they saw it as such a controlling thing because they hadn't experienced two world wars and a depression to realize, actually, we do need to keep yeah. them involved a little bit. But it seems like you almost came in after that a little bit because um, when you're saying the anti-authoritarian thing, because I feel like the state is needed. You're not like one of these people that's like small governments, like da-da-da, but you're kind of at the same time as don't tell me what to do. I don't know, that, that contrast there. Well, well, well yeah, yeah but, you, but then again, you, you, you look at that, what 2020's been, and quite frankly, you do realise that um, we need good governance. I mean, you know, you, you know, you're saying you're, you're coming from Melbourne, and and the way, apart from a few nut jobs, apart from a few nut jobs, Melbourne just went. You know what? The experts are telling me this. I'm going to do this, and we'll get through it. It's like, yeah, there is something to be said for the um, collective uh, mindset. Yeah, at least like, and you don't have to do it brutally, but you do do it where you're honest and yeah. Presenting everything and then well, well, you know, the thing about Catch Twenty Two, it's it's not like just tear down the system. It's like, well, the system's a bit shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's flawed. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's, it's flawed. It's flawed. Yeah. And then it just says, I mean, again, you mentioned it, the eggs buying scene in, in that, in the book. Yeah. You've got to be testing yeah. my memory because I read it, I've read it twice, but it was quite, and that's how I knew it was good because the first time I read it, I was like, this is good. And then I read it again, like. 10 years later, and I'm like, this is still brilliant. It's one of those books I, I read it as a teenager, then I did it in year 12, and then I did it again later at uni um, because I was doing American literature and Moby Dick is really thick. Yeah, it's solid. The most, the, the most detailed whaling guide you didn't expect you'd read. Yeah, and, uh, and it's like, um, so I, uh, yeah, well, the thing about Milo, it's interesting. Like, you, you look at Milo, my, might have been a, a, that character and that whole thing of, you know, getting rich off other people's misfortune. I mean, it's as relevant now as it was almost 60 years ago. Yeah. I mean, and the, and the way it plays it almost, and this is why I think the book works so well, like the scene where he, it's almost, it's said in such a neutral tone, some of the horrible things that happen, which make it somehow yeah. funnier. Like he just bombs his, his own troops yeah. and kills all these people. Yeah. And it's just, everyone's just like, yeah. Like, then it's not done. Well, that happens. Yeah. It's just yeah. This, this sense of uh, almost no attachment to it in a way. Like, everyone's just kind of like, it just accepts it in mm. the way it delivers it. That's, I think that makes it hit kind of hard because, yeah. Well, that's because the writing itself is, is very matter of fact. It's, he's, he's not, he's not one of the purple pros, Hella. And which is one of the things I really like it. It's, it's actually a very easy book to read. And I'm a deeply lazy man, so you know. I mean, you know, one of the mistakes I made when we first went into the lockdown, I announced on Twitter that I was going to write, I was going to finally sit down at my age after 25 attempts and read Ulysses, and I was going to tweet about what I'd read every day. And I did that for about a week, and after seven days, my tweet was, "You know what? The second season of Family Guy still holds up." <laughs> Look, I've been. Uh... It's the greatest book ever read, but I don't know. That's it. Seems like I, I look. I, I've, 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 I've read the Dubliners. That'll, that'll do me. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard <laughs> Dubliners probably a better, and the portrait of it's, it's, as well is actually very good for that. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I, I kept diving in the Ulysses, and it was sitting there by my bedside, almost taunting me. <laughs> and like, it's a big taunt. <laughs> it's a big. <laughs> you can't. Mind it. you, though, if you ever at a dinner party with someone. Here's a hint. Someone starts talking about Ulysses. Learn something from page 450 and drop it in. And if they, their face on there goes blank, you go, yeah, you're bullshitting too. Uh, it, it, look, it's a good strategy. I agree. I, I'm definitely not the kind of person who says, uh, like, Ulysses and uh, what's the one that everyone talks about? The, uh, Infinite Jest. Have you read that? No. That's the other one everyone no. says. Well, well, see, here's one of the problems too, and, and, and you're about to hit that age. There, something happens to guys, they turn a certain age and a lot more non-fiction starts turning up on their, their bookshelves. Yeah. I'm a big one for a, a historical biography. Uh, I, like probably my, my second favourite book of all time is Peter Aykroyd's um, uh, biography of Sir Thomas More, which is a fantastic read. Really? Okay. That's a... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really good book, really good book. Oh, I think I pronounced his name wrong. It, 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 I always get it wrong, but it's a really good read. Um, that's interesting because I literally just finished uh, Wolf Hall by Hilary Mantel. Ah! 
Well, 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 actually, well, then go and read Thomas More because and More Falls a really good historical, you know, well, you have sex and stories, you know, it's good. Yeah. But the the the, the, the biography of Thomas More is really good. Have you, have you seen the TV series of More Falls? No, no, I haven't. That's a it's really good. Oh, right. Okay, I can check. Well, because the funny thing for me, because I've just, it's a very rough, in fact, like, I don't want to ruin it by looking at the history of what actually happened. So I don't know what happens with these characters in a way. Like, because that whole part of history, I like, I know that obviously Henry VIII is renowned for all the beheadings of his wives. Uh, but apart from that, I don't know much else. So I'm like, actually interested to keep reading it and find out, even though it's happened. <laughs> actually, I, I, I do a small chapter, a small story on Henry VIII in, in my book, Reprehensible, because of, Apart from the whole, you know, very bad husband, still up the church, glutton. Um, one of the other things too was he was an absolutely mad gambler, but not very good at it. He actually, um, where St Paul's Cathedral is, there was uh, there was a cathedral there and had been pretty much since Norman times. He lost the bells from that cathedral over one throw of the dice. And he, and he and he used to he used to enter these these card games uh, uh, tournaments. I mean, it's, it, it'd be like you know Queen Elizabeth going on Joker poker, but worse because she can actually like lose parts of the state. Look at this thing, you know. You've been bluffing all. Yeah, you know, he takes off the tiara, going. You've been bluffing all night. I'm going all in. <laughs> okay, so so just to add, it's really he was he was the whole package, wasn't he, old Henry VIII? Yeah, yeah, and he stunk too. Mind you, they all stunk in those days. Yeah, that's it. I've heard about that, the great London stink mm. and all that sort of thing. Um, and we are talking about a man who had four beers before breakfast. That's, again, that's going to gonna have that's damage good. after a while. <laughs> gonna, yeah. uh, but, you know, the, the reason I found that so interesting was because, like, I always, when I first heard of Thomas More, I'd heard of this golden uh Well, person. that's interesting, yeah. And, yeah, but in more falling, it's a... In, and in the the Aquad book, it's, it's quite it's quite measured because yeah. there's that thing too that you know he was obviously a very intelligent man, but a rabid you know rabid Catholic. Yeah, and, fundamentalist. Like yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and you know, didn't really blush at burning people. Yeah, that, that, I think that's what makes it because I actually had another guest on quite a while ago now, and he was talking about um, a man for all seasons, the play. Yeah. Which he loved, and because of its representation of Thomas More as like a man of such good morals that he uh, refuses, like he's such a good man in a way. But then it's like, ah, oh, now you've reframed that to be, I don't know, this is a religious fundamentalist. And he actually was a guy who wore a hair shirt. He did wear a hair shirt underneath his clothes just to make himself uncomfortable. And probably also to was a little bit too fond of self-flagellation. Yeah, like yeah, just a little bit there. Like that's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, so... That, See, I knew I, I, you've, you've got all the... Because actually, I don't think what I saw when I was looking you up. You're also 2005 winner of Australia's brainiest comedian, right? Yeah, yay. That was that was fun, actually. Um, I, uh, um, I think there's not... Well, actually, I was lucky because there was a history section in the middle. And I almost did like a Steve Bradbury because um, who else was on? There was um, Bob Down and Red Simons. And they were so intent on taking each other out that I sort of slid through the middle and won. And then a couple of, and then the next year I did um, uh, Comedy Great Temptation, uh, and I won that as well, which is cool. But the really good thing about that is you have no idea that you're playing for a home viewer and because the show's pre-recorded. And I won two, not for me, two Volvos, a trip overseas and fucking for cash. 
I got this lovely letter from the woman who, who was the home viewer, and they were two self-funded uh, retired teachers from uh, rural Victoria, and their old Volvo was just about to pack it in, and I won them two new ones. Oh, it's beautiful. So, you know, I, yeah, so, you know, I, I did something nice. Yeah, <laughs> that, that adds to it. The, to go, so, but to go back to the book with the, the Catch-22 stuff, the uh, because yeah. I do find it, and it's interesting because you say this because you do seem to be, even though you're in comedy and you're hilarious, you you do obviously take in all these more intense things in history, and you you got a quite a serious bent as well, obviously from. Well, that's yeah. All, all all comedians are just people that absorb information, and then you know, it, 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 yeah. When you talk about doing Australia's brainiest comedians, I've done. You, you find this when you're you know when you're backstage and, and you're talking to comics. They're all. A lot of them are history nerds. A lot of them read a lot of stuff, and so you know. So yeah, and then you know you you take that and you put a fart joke on top, and that pays the rent. Yeah, just add a couple of quips to keep it interesting as you go along, and yeah, well, that, that, yeah. that's actually what I was yeah because anyone who gets up there, I mean, maybe I'm just getting nicer in my old age, but anyone who gets up there and has a crack has my respect. Mm. No, no, I, I definitely agree. Anyone who can give that a go. Um, yeah, because it is. Look, you're going to get torn apart by the audience enough. I think it's, you don't need to sit there and do it for yeah. them. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it's one of those things that, you know, when, when, you know, when I've, you know, I've done more interviews and I've, I've had green chicken curries, and um, they say, you know, is it bitchy? And they go, no, no, comics are actually pretty nice people, pretty supportive. Reasonably. Because you're, you're right. It, you know, it, it's a weird enough gig as it, as it is. You might as well just try and get along with everyone. I mean. But, yeah, we've all got, we've all got someone we hope that <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I'm going to say any names I'm going to say any names Ah, oh, come on Why not? A... <laughs> no, no, no We've all got a list <laughs> A list now This is growing exponentially <laughs> It's a short list Come on I was going. To, I was about to say uh, With your bitchy comment There's probably a lot of uh, Comedian WhatsApp uh, groups <laughs> That might have Yeah that might just, uh, Yeah Prove like the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, social media scares me. I tweet occasionally. <laughs> that's as that's as far as you'll go. Yeah. Oh no, I, I don't, do, you know, I, I don't do anything else. I'm quite frankly, I sometimes do the Facebook comment. Look, if I knew you at school and I wanted to see you, I'd call you. Yeah, and uh, uh, it's weird for you because you guys would have had like, yeah, you'd be re- reconnecting almost like, ah, oh, we've we're, we're good. I've, I've gone. Here he is. Changed enough. Here he is I think I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, it's like you know, I, I had a school reunion last year, and I was like, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> it's there's no mouse. I was like, oh, do I really want to spend three hours in a car? No. It's not worth it. Just see a bunch of people you don't talk to in forty years, thirty years, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. And basically, it's all like, you know, who's turned grey and who's gotten fat? And I was ahead of them. I turned grey early and I was fat at school. So, you know, problem solved. Yeah, that's it. They can see you on plenty of things anyway. Um, okay, because the other reason I was, like, the reason I'm kind of interested in that is because I'm wondering if you seem to be mostly comedy is what you've done throughout all the time. Um, have yeah, you ever, like, yeah. touched on trying to do anything more serious? Uh, you've had some documentaries, it seems, but is it, like, have you ever gone in the more serious direction? At the moment, I'm, I'm working on a podcast series with a guy called Paul Wilson, who's a, who's a proper academic historian. And um, what it boils, and that's, it's something I, I, you know, the, the last two books, I mean, I think they're funny, but they're mostly just storytelling. If a gag, I mean, it's, it's something I, I, I came along, came to 
when I was writing the first book, particularly in the second one, is if there's a gag there, I'll go for it. But the most important is getting the story across and finding something interesting in the story. And so we've just done these podcasts and um, I think we found some good stories. We found some really good, like, um, I'm trying to think on, off the top of my head. Um, the assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand was a fuck up from woe to go. One of my favorite stories is one of the assassination squad threw a bomb at the Archduke's car. It missed. He then uh, took, a, took a suicide pill. It didn't work. So running away from the troops who were trying to capture him, he, he leapt off the bridge and threw himself into the river to drown. Um, but uh, Sarajevo was in drought at the time. He landed in mud and broke his ankles. <laughs> it's a comedy of errors. But... <laughs> yes, yeah, so I've really I've been enjoying that. So it's not really going for the gag, but it is finding a weird ass story. Yeah. You know, uh, the book I'm working on at the moment is called Idiots, Follies, and Misadventures: Dumb as Our Constant Companion. And the idea is that it's amazing as a species we didn't kill ourselves three million years ago, a hundred thousand years ago, ten thousand. You know, it's, it's like the amount of students. You know, like we like to we like to think of, of history as this grand march of progress, but we're pretty fucking dumb. Yeah, it's much more, much closer to a comedy of errors. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it, it's amazing how we ever got to the top of the food chain. Uh, look, just reproduce enough, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh But no, okay, so. Like so, you always so you've had that because uh, because yeah, with your comedy and all that stuff. So you're saying now you do more personal stories, but even then, obviously, doing the more gag stuff when you're on stage and all your books and that is about, I guess, uh, more joking stuff. Like even growing up, were you kind of like avoiding? I, I guess it was the classic thing where yeah. you're kind of like, ah, my stuff's not that interesting, so I'm going to joke about this other stuff because that's more. My I don't know. I, I, I on on my mother's side, she um she came from a large Irish Catholic family. And the way you got attention was all my, well, sort of weird, like half my aunts and uncles are really good storytellers and, and the others not so much. But the way you got attention was if you could tell a story. And when I was about 10, I don't know, I, I must, must have had a bit. My grandfather moved me from the kids' table to the grown-up table. And, oh, right. Uh, and yeah, and I, I remember going, and I, I, I dropped a gag. And I was talking about, for some reason, there was a controversy about breastfeeding. I was about 10, you know, talking about milk and carton or breast the babies. And I went, well, you know, one of them, the container's really cute, which is a boob joke. Yeah. From a 10-year-old. That's pretty good. And, and my grandfather laughed. And I'm thinking, oh, that's good. This is good. <laughs> this is, that's a nice feeling. <laughs> this is good. I made the grown-ups laugh. Wow. Wow. You know, why don't I just sort of keep mitching around and maybe 20 years from now I'll get paid for this? Yeah. That is... <laughs> That is an amazing origin story sort of story. I can't believe you even remember the gag, which shows you like. <laughs> yeah, well, well, actually, I remember the gag because I, I stole it. It had been in a cartoon I'd seen the weekend before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's what comedy is, though, right? You know, <laughs> uh, my, 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 the first time I felt the love of grown ups, I'd actually nicked the gag. Yeah. <laughs> Stolen it early, but you got, but it gave you the drug, right? So then you're like, okay, so I can yeah, go yeah. do that uh, joking thing. So so it wasn't as much like a defense mechanism or anything. It was more just like uh, this feels great. Yeah, and also too, you know, as a fat kid, yeah, you get picked on, so you can either throw a punch or you can um, get in first. All oh, right, let's get in the get in the gag, cut in a comment first. Yeah, yeah you know, and you know, so you become quite good at being, you know, 
I was basically you know, a little little short Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, you know, no respect, no respect. So does that mean does that mean you then didn't get a punch, or does that mean at least then when you got the punch, you bloody earned it? I, I, yeah, I, I, I managed to gag my way out of quite a few fights as a, as a, as a young man. Yeah, I was going to say because like back then, it obviously it's a different time. That stuff would have been a lot more prevalent as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I've been hit. <laughs> I've been hit. Uh, that's a, several times. Okay, that's that's a, the neutral way of putting that. But uh, okay, because uh, I always find interesting what part of the appeal of the gag, I guess, from the funny people <laughs> when it kind of hooked you and oh, yeah. kind of brought you in, and what why you choose the kind of comedy you do, and whether you fall into that. Well, I, 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 you know, it's sort of weird. I, I don't know about you. I never sit back and analyze it. It's always like you know, you get to that space, and then it's the it's the second thing that comes into your head. Hmm. The first thing that comes in your head is probably a, the second thing, and that, that that's what, 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 what I often think separates people who, who make a living out of comedy is that they can edit their brain really quickly. That's that's a valid, that's a good point. Like, in when you're even because now you're talking more almost from the improv side of things, so not when you're sitting there and writing all that, but when you're sitting there and you, you you're in a situation you can drop something. It's not it's not the first thing that pops into your head sometimes. But no. which it can be, but sometimes it's like no, no, and then you get that second thought in, and you go with that. Yeah, having that live. Yeah, um, yeah that, that 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 you know the ability to riff is the ability to edit yourself as you go. That's a good. That's a good. I never thought about like, which is true because you're almost like, no, 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 no. Yep, done, and then go with that one on stage, right? Yeah, because you would. So did you start? Yeah, yeah. So it's funny because you're talking about almost the exact opposite of writing in a lot of ways when you talk about that side of things. Yeah, which which is, which is funny you know, when you are writing. When I'm when I'm sitting at the, at the desk writing, and um, quite often I'll I'll put so, you know something will make me chuckle in my mind. Then I'll sit on the screen and go, Nah, no, let's just delete that. That's it, it, it was funny in my head. <laughs> That's why hoping Mike Knights exists, basically. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, you know, I think on my on my headset, I like the words. It seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> I think that's the mantra of almost all comedians everywhere. <laughs> um, but I guess we should probably go back to the book a little bit more before we tie off. Getting back to Catch Twenty Two, it's one of those books that uh, I haven't read it in thirty years, twenty years, whatever, thirty years. But it just stays with you. It really, if you, you know, particularly, it was, maybe it was the fact I read it at, at a formative age. And it was the first big book I ever read. Um, um, it was the first, it was the first, I mean, I, I read the Narnia books, getting back to C.S. Lewis when I was a kid, and Arthur Ransom, the Swallows and Amazons book. But I think it was probably the first book I read as a sort of young boy, stroke teenager, that was actually written for adults. And, um, and, and as such, it's, it has stayed with me pretty much all my life. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, the, and, you know, and, uh, as for Joseph Heller, I mean, hey, what a great debut. And it, it has never been out of print. That's, I mean, that's what you can dream it, of with any sort of book you bring up. It, right? it, it's up there was To Kill a Mockingbird from almost the same era. have always been in print. It makes sense. So did you uh, have like, were you the kind of kid uh, where you had a group of people that, uh, uh, like you'd all read it and you kind of were vibing on it? Or was it just you on your own? Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. no. We had an adolescent book club. What the fuck are you talking about? 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm, no, 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 no. Okay, I'm just no. asking questions here. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just sitting, all sitting around at the recess over our wagon wheels going, so what do you think of the development of Major Major's character? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's part of like, well, because it's funny, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, it's true, like as a reader, you don't, you might have one or two mates that, kind of sort of touch on the same book sometimes but mostly you're kind of on your own when you're doing that that's why but you said you did yeah, year 12 yeah. that's why I was like thinking maybe there was a bit more yeah yeah. yeah yeah I did it in year 12 and then I my, my favourite thing of year 12 I was just not the most dedicated student and I decided that um, because I was doing advanced English that I would probably have to read Voss Patrick White's Voss and I read it in 48 hours and then I, and I got an exam, and the Voss question was so so hard, I didn't do it. That's a good use of forty eight hours. I tell you what, That's... Yeah. mind you, I, mind you, just apropos of nothing. For some reason, I, I was also doing advanced history, which meant we had to do some primary source stuff. And just out of the blue, I learned Disraeli's Crystal Palace speech on imperialism. I don't know why I decided to learn it by heart. And I sat down at the exam. And there was a question on, on Disraeli and imperialism. And I went, I know the speech by heart. Okay. I came first. I came first in my class in three in three minute history. There we go. Really? You just because what you yeah. just like almost verbatim just wrote his speech. Pretty much. And like it was weird. It was like out of all the it was just sheer dumb luck. I think that was probably the shortest speech. I just I memorized it. Uh, and there was a question virtually on it. And I was like going, Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and I, I got, I got, I got the school prize. Um, I was at uni by the time I announced it uh, for history, and so being the little socialist wanker I was, I, I got a book voucher and, and I bought a copy of Class Struggle, which is a communist version of Monopoly, a board game based on socialism. What? Yeah, I was, I, I was that dickhead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you still have your social uh, you, you, okay, That's Firstly, how would a board game no, based you, you, on communism work? You, you, know, you know what? It, it, it's probably in a box somewhere next to the jazz albums I used to buy to impress girls. <laughs> yeah, okay. We're getting a real picture of your early days now. <laughs> yeah, sad, sad, sad. <laughs> it's all starting to come together, sad. actually, right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, uh, okay, let's put like this. Goatee in a beret. I was that guy. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, was gonna... I was that guy. See, I love that like one one second you're laughing at the concept of a bunch of 15-year-olds sitting around sharing their views on Catch-22. The next second you're memorizing Benjamin Disraeli's speech from Crystal Palace. Yeah, I mean, I, I was an odd kid. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This doesn't sound like a regular... No, I was a, I was a, I was a really weird kid. <laughs> well, that's uh, again. I think that does go hand in hand with the whole uh, uh, comedy side of things. When you, <laughs> oh, oh yeah, 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 you know, there's a small amount of revenge at the heart of every comedian's persona. So do you feel? Do you reckon you came into your own a bit more like in uni or after uni? Like was that? Um, geez, that's a, that's a, that's a, I think probably I think I was actually thirty before I was really enjoying life. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm sort of. I, you know, one week I was washing dishes, and the next week I was doing the breakfast show on Triple J. <laughs> was that? And so, was, yeah. Are you saying that's about the time when you've started feeling a bit more comfortable in yourself? Or are you saying that came? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was, it was that thing of like, you know, 
you always wanted to do something and then it's like what you you're gonna give me a radio studio and someone to work with and i'm gonna get and my job is this what's the downside i've got to get up early in the morning apart from that nah. all right okay so you did feel like that 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 almost validation for who you were a little bit by getting look, look when i when i was a teenager all i ever wanted to do was write um skits on for the radio and be on triple j and I'm, i woke up at 30 on my 30th birthday and found out i had the breakfast show on triple j oh wow okay and that was that was you know what and 29 years later that's still pretty fucking cool yeah i could imagine that'd be like a really nice yeah it was really cool you know i i i, I I went from the fat guy who couldn't get a date to the year 12 dance to being on the Cleo uh, most eligible bachelor's list. Oh, wow. <laughs> that took so uh, it was it took a few years, but you managed to <laughs> so you're 20 yeah, years more yeah. confused before then. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I was a very late bloomer. <laughs> yeah, you might be scientifically a miracle if you're that late. <laughs> well, well, you know, I, I'm now reaching an age where if I make it to 61, I'll outlive both parents and three grandparents. Oh, wow. Okay, that's... Wow, we ended up in a really bleak place, didn't we? Well, that, it took, it took a bit of a left turn there. Yeah, yeah. We went from the joys of yeah. youth to the, yeah. the yeah. trappings of mortality. Oh. Okay, right. That's. I really, did, I really did have one too many Negronis last night, didn't I? That's all right. That's <laughs> what this... Uh... <laughs> I'm loving the honesty. That's what this is all about. Yeah, because I guess that. So, oh, okay. But I guess when you when you say something like that, does it? Do you reckon? It sounds like that's some sad stuff that you've had to deal with early on in life. Oh, everyone does. Everyone does. Mm. Everyone. Does. I, mean, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I lost both my parents at, at a young age, which you know was sad at the time. But I'm now seeing my contemporaries, my, my people my age. Dealing with parents in homes who don't, you know, having to put their parents in their homes and dealing with parents who don't recognize their face. So I'm not saying, you know, I'm glad my parents died when I was young. <laughs> the, point I'm, the point I'm making is that, that sadness will find you at various stages in your life. That's all. Mm. Yeah. And no, that, that's, yeah. And, and it, there is something to that. And, and so, so, yeah, no one has a, no one, no one has a, no one has the copyright on being sad. Yeah. We all get our own flavour of it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone gets the shit kicked out of them. Just for me, it happened quite a bit when I was young, and then you know, it's all been gravy since, baby. <laughs> then you turned thirty, got the job on Triple J, and you were yeah. done. And uh, you know, you know, few years later, found this incredibly attractive woman, and I'm still married to her. Right. The well, look, we have jumped around a lot, but I feel we could probably should call it there. Um, Okay, man, no worries. Hey, well, you know, I love it to talk to you, George. No, it's lovely to talk to you. I, I always ask this at the end of every show. Do you feel like you've felt any new connections with Catch-22 based on how, what you've thought about it in this interview? And, and I, I was just, it's just that thing where it, it sort of – it was actually the process of, of, of getting the email, of actually going back over the, you know, your li- the library of books you've read and, and going, well, that one, that one. And then, of course, you know, well, that one would be cool. But – and I went – no, actually, Catch Twenty Two was probably, as I said, was the first sort of adult book I read, and that anti-authoritarian, um, funny yet dark—it's still part of who I am. Mm. No, that's a yeah, and it's one of my favorites as well. So I definitely agree with that choice. <laughs> mm. and, you know, help the bombardier. I'm the bombardier. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, we'll uh, call it there. Thank you so much 
for being on the show, Mikey. It's been an absolute delight. Too easy, buddy. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sandspants Radio, then why not subscribe to sandspantsplus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's sandspantsplus.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 